Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate as commercial surf parks open up all around the world. I'm your host, Brian Dickerson, editor at Wave Pool Mag. And together we'll explore this amazing new landscape by talking to the dreamers, developers, engineers, and everyone making this space happen. These are the personalities who are defining the breadth and scope of artificial wave making today. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is Evan Slater, VP of Men's Marketing at Billabong. And the exciting thing about today's show is that while we usually have engineers, wave pool makers, surf park operators, developers, Evan's background is surf media and marketing. So his wave pool perspective is unique. It's a little more outside of uh, what you'd see at Surf Park Summit. So it's not really an outsider being core surf. It's it's an interesting intersection <laughs> between the two. So uh, let's dig in. Evan, thank you for coming on the show today. Those out there who, who don't know you, give us a little background about yourself. Well, Let's see. I've been obsessed with surfing since I was like probably eight years old and just really feel fortunate to be able to have it be such a big part of not only my personal life, but my professional life as well. Like from really the the early years when I decided to give up soccer for competing in contests, uh, surf contests. And yeah, since then, it's just been a, it's, you know, looking back at all the different phases of my life and career, the one constant has been my love of surfing and uh yeah i just feel really privileged it, it uh it really started my the actual professional career in surfing the, the um let's just say the the big boy job versus pretending to be a pro surfer and riding big way chasing big waves and all that kind of stuff started at surfer magazine in 96 and uh was uh became editor there over you know a, a few years uh, under the tutelage of steve hawk who i think a lot of people are familiar with brother of Tony, best teacher I've ever had, best mentor I've ever had in, in, in my career. And and that transitioned into a role at uh, Swell.com, which started in partnership with, with Surfline, Swell bought Surfline. And we uh, gave it a go at that, that first internet boom of the late 90s, early 2000s. And then from there, transitioned into a role at Surfing Magazine after that kind of blew up or separated Surfline and went you know, one way and swell.com on another. <clears throat> I went back to Surfing Magazine, put in a good eight years there and was really proud of a lot of the work we were able to do with with a really great team. And then, you know, at a certain point, I just was like, uh, I wanted to keep growing my skill set and had an opportunity to pop up at Hurley and really dove into that the brand marketing world for, you know, I've been doing it since uh, 2009 and uh, just you know, all kinds of stuff to, to go through, but ultimately it comes down to whether you're on the media side or the brand side, you know, there's a, a lot you can do to help continue to evolve the culture of the sport and, um, and for, for good. <laughs> and that's what I've just, that's at the top of my mind 
every day I go to work. So in, in, uh, on that subject, evolving the culture of the sport, you saw a lot of changes in, uh, when you were at Surfer Magazine, how we went into the, the mm-hmm. Y2K era and then through the professional mm-hmm. era with uh, Hurley and the big brands and kind of the heyday of uh, the surf industry. And can you, after seeing that arc or peak, how, however you want to describe it, can you think of something similar maybe happening now with uh, wave pools and surf parks? Are we on the edge of a large kind of boom? What would be, I know this is out of the blue, but we didn't discuss it first. But w- what's your take on that? Are we heading into a similar era? I, I really do feel that. And it's interesting. And, and, and it kind of follows a similar pattern, right? Because I think if, not to date myself, but for those of us who were in media in the late 90s, as let's just say when it got into like 98, 99, we were all being told that the the internet was the future, magazines are going away, blah, 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 like you better get on it now or you're going to be left behind. And so, yeah, you couldn't help but just jump on the opportunity to, there's a lot of money coming into the digital world around digital media at the time. Mm-hmm. even in the surf space. So at that time, it was like all the best talent from the magazines got sucked into these, it's called these digital brands, right? Uh, there was like HardCloud and Swell.com and Blue Torch and the list goes on. And as we found, it was a little bit premature, right? And there was a lot to work through to where the broader population were re- really ready to kind of adopt like a whole new way of consuming media. And I think with surf parks, probably this, a similar scenario in that I think we could all agree that the kind of seminal moment, and this was discussed at the surf park summit last month, but just everybody seeing that Kelly Slater wave for the first time really just opened everybody's eyes after so much speculation and hope and promises of you know, the next great way of being artificial. That was the first time where it was truly proven in, in an actual regular, or I to say life-size scale. And it's still, what, seven years later, and we still have a fairly limited number of parks that are open and thriving. And I just, I think um, maybe COVID had something to do with that. Maybe it's some other external forces, but it's also very complicated to build a a really successful model, right? But I, I really, truly feel like all the kinks are being worked out over the past, you know, five years or so, and that we are going to see a massive acceleration of really profitable and enjoyable and amazing surf parks around the world. But it's taken longer than anybody anticipated after the first wave. Yeah. So in in, in that way, it is kind of like the early days of the internet when everyone's like, "Hey, you can do this. Uh, you can buy yeah. pimento loaves online." But the, it did eventually happen, right? <laughs> but it took about 15 years <laughs> for magazines to truly go away Yeah, <laughs> from when we thought they were. <laughs> it, it's interesting because you look around now and you see the uh, early parks that opened up, you know, Surf Snowdonia, The Wave, Urban Surf, and they're, they're still evolving. I went to The Wave in September and they're very much like it was just kind of the blueprint, the pool and, you know, the cafe. and since two years ago, they've added a lot. So they're evolving and they're developing their own brand, which is a little more, you know, neutral carbon footprint. It's a little more organic. Urban Surf out by the airport, it was just, uh, they didn't have their containers up or the 
other areas around that and saw them in September too. And they're kind of fully formed now. So maybe some of those first digital uh, media platforms, some of those websites that wouldn't load properly. Uh, now the surf parts. Are <laughs> we, I remember we were creating like these crazy, <laughs> these massive flash files of like, you know, just images moving and stuff like that. And people were, most people were still like dialing up on AL.com. It was just, it was ridiculous. No, I, re- I remember that. Uh, Bruce from Surfer's Village shared with me some flash animation. He, they, they paid $10,000 for, it and it was like 60 seconds of, you know, a spinning picture frame stuff, you know, my, my kids can do on their phones right now. But uh... exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, cool. So let's jump in at Surf Park Summit. There was, Mm -hmm. I hosted a panel about surf marketing and uh, how key or not key brand messaging is, course uh, surf messaging is, to a park. And you sat in on that panel, you're in the audience, you gracious, yeah, you were in the audience, graciously asked a question. And um, what was going, kind of flashing back to that and looking at the different case scenarios we had from a surf brand perspective, what is your take on that in terms of a surf park kind of nurturing a a core surf message? Yeah. Well, I was, I was really encouraged by what I was hearing um, on that panel and just overall, the overall sentiment at the surf park um, summit. I had heard not, not in a crazy negative way, but like just before going into it, I heard there were a lot of maybe potential operators or developers who just discounted the importance of like truly authentic surf experience within these parks and felt it wasn't necessary. But, you know, hearing what a lot of these operators said on the panel and then also just, you know, hearing some of the other voices in the audience, I think there's an acknowledgement that the the real opportunity, because the the ability to create an, a, an amazing mechanical wave is there, right? And we've, we've seen it, you know, being replicated to the, you know, to the 10th degree, and it's going to continue to expand. But to, in order for us to in, avoid it becoming just another mechanical bull at the bar, <laughs> or some other kind of just, uh, let's say, emotionally neutral diversion, I'd say that the really layering in what what is really magic about surfing is super important. And and there's an opportunity to do that regardless of whether it's in an art like quote unquote artificial environment. And that comes down to really acknowledging what, you know, what surf culture is and how it started and and some of the 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 different layers that that you can add into an experience that really make that person feel like they are running, you know, the the Cape St. Francis wave <laughs> during the end of the summer or, you know, some amazing wave in Hawaii. Because now you have that controlled environment to do that, and that that was super encouraging, in the sense that we're not just looking to uh, get as many people standing up on surfboards as possible. There's more to it. Okay, so you you also saw when you were at Hurley and Nike was very much involved at at some point. Is that correct to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> you so, so you got to see kind of uh little little guy surfing being a, absorbed by a, a larger brand or playing with a you know larger mm-hmm. scope of things. Mm-hmm. Do you see within the uh surf park industry kind of 
something similar where everyone who's enthusiastic about surf parks and wave pools, you know, comes from a surfing background. But as this expands mm-hmm. and it goes into the mainstream or we have wave pools in non-coastal locations, do you see mm-hmm. the culture changing and would you be able to draw a parallel to how the surf culture changed with the entry of nike mm-hmm. well how it on, on the like talking about nike coming into the space or some of the bigger energy drink brands i i don't think you know nike came in with ill intentions and with the idea of like trying to change surf culture and if anything they were trying to learn what it was and how they could help amplify it, I guess, to a, a broader audience. And and that was always a challenge that we were given at Hurley being, you know, a part of the the Nike matrix, right? And I think surf parks are in a similar situation where there's this whole new scale that doesn't exist currently, right? Because waves are a finite uh, resource, a limited resource, and, you know, breaks around the world are crowded all, all the all the things that you know we we list as being some of the barriers for new participants coming in and really enjoying the sport can be solved through uh wave parks and i i see it as a value add to the culture as long as we as surfers who have grown up in this world embrace the potential of surf parks instead of just pushing them aside and calling them you know fake or whatever and and as you saw in, in uh and those surveys that Dr. Ponting, I guess, had, had conducted with his team, there's there's such more of an open mindedness from you know lifelong surfers to actually participate in these parks, and I think that's that's one of the most important things to bring these two world you can call them worlds together and to add, to create something even more unique and exciting because it, it's just going to get layered in right to to surf culture as as long as we're all participating. Also, talk along those lines of the the branded surf park like vans has a skate park yeah. do you see surf brands having the billabong wave pool you know in cerritos or wherever irvine <laughs> that's where your headquarters are so yeah well I, I would say it it is one of the biggest opportunities that we have as a brand uh moving forward it's it's kind of a brand marketers in the surf space dream scenario, right? Because we are constantly trying to connect with fans and consumers in what you can call a, an uncontrolled environment, okay. <laughs> you know, like the beach yeah. and waves and conditions and surf shops that, you know, maybe we can't necessarily control to the level that we would like surf camps, you know, like the list goes on where there's just a lot of, you know, variables that, that we can't control. In a surf park environment, it's almost, and I'm sure it's been discussed a ton, but it, it is, it does become like a, a Disneyfied, like theme park type of situation. But mm-hmm. if you take the right care and, and, and obsess on the details and and all the things that we can add to the experience, I think it could be a pretty amazing um, exercise for the brand and also just an, uh, an opportunity to bring more people into the space and and show them really how special surfing is it's interesting because not to get marketing-y but um <laughs> our founder gordon merchant at billabong he's always said that and it's this is the ongoing vision for the brand is to create a world where everyone knows the feeling <laughs> you can absolutely do that within the, the surf park environment it's it's like it 
it's kind of our North star star as a brand. And it's, it's a massive solution for mm-hmm. that. So is our surf parks relevant for us? Yes. It's a massive opportunity. I think it's, it's so much more than us just buying a billboard at a, a certain surf park or just advertising or selling our, our gear. It, it really is integrating the brand with all of our experience in surf and coaching and surf camps and you know the list goes on and and events to you know create programming for a park that that uh is second to none okay and uh now it's it's my turn to put you on the spot and say sure do you know of any brands currently working to have a bespoke surf park with their brand name well i know that certain brands namely rip curl has done a good job of kind of coming out of the gates and creating some partnerships with a few of the more successful parks around the world like urban surf and the bristol park these are again a big opportunity for them just to learn you know the clientele and Mm -hmm. and and get a better understanding of that journey from start to finish but i think between rip curl and billabong and and some of the more let's just say brands who are a hundred percent invested in the space, you know, over, over the decades, there's a lot more that we can do. And, um, it's, it's, it's a big priority for, for me at Billabong. Okay. So let's, let's approach it from the other way. Are there, do you have customers, do you have clients who see waves pools as not being core, who maybe resent the democratization of surfing to inland places like someone who's at the beach they're spend every morning going out and it's their thing and they they don't want someone from st louis doing it has the brand addressed that have you guys uh thought about that i i mean i think it's it's again it's like where you show up right and if it, wherever billabong shows up we want to make sure that that experience is best in class mm-hmm. and and so regard if if we feel good about how we're participating in any given surf park i don't care if it's in Siberia or wherever, like mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because the whole idea is for us to just, you know, create more opportunities for people to uh, discover surfing and and fall in love with it. I am not worried about surfing. I don't know, just being taken over by the masses. If anything, I think it's just gonna it's gonna spread out mm-hmm. <laughs> the lineups even more and create like a whole new kind of, I don't know, just like inland surf community that will could could help make the sport even better overall so yeah yeah well i'm not really surfing's always taking care of itself honestly like you know people like walk away from the sport probably because they're just getting frustrated with their own skills but Mm -hmm. to walk away from surfing saying it's commercialized is is kind of i think a cop-out because you can you can find ways to yourself any given day almost anywhere in like any key you know stretch of coast Mm -hmm. if you're just committed enough Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting you mentioned that, but the uh, the evolution. If if you look at something like skateboarding, which uh, mm-hmm. was the Dogtown, very much surf based through the seventies, and then you know what skating is now. When it was gone to when they closed all the parks and street skating really took off, can you foresee something similar with uh, surfing ten years from now when uh, there are more there are people learning? in pools and there's a whole culture growing up around pools do you how do you see surfing changing like what might it look like what might you're not going to have a bonfire on the beach is it going to be 
Jamba Juice smoothies and baggy clothes. What do you <laughs> What do you see? Go out there, have fun with this one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's such an unknown. I mean, I, like if you look at skate culture, I mean, skate has always just had this universal access, right? You just need a a, a plank and some wheels and and some cement. But yeah, certainly skate parks has created a whole let's just call it ecosystem of young kids that are like trained to be pro skaters. Right. And I think mm-hmm. you're probably going to see more of that and surfing. I don't think that necessarily takes away from the magic or the personal joy that anybody are, are going to have when they're riding waves. So even if you're kind of turned off by the, I don't know, like the, whatever you want to call it, the combine for surfing, where it's just all these quote unquote athletes, like training super hard to do the next big flip. That's just a, another aspect of the sport and you're already seeing that now but it'll probably be accelerated it's certainly going to be accelerated with the advent of of wave parks but i i don't know like maybe the the coolest surfers are going to be from from austin or somewhere else or or you know like there i'm excited to see what kind of elements that surf parks can add to surf culture and just different voices and different points of view like that's that's when culture thrives and when is when you have a diverse culture that all is kind of participating together and coming up with something new so i welcome it i don't know if i really answered your question but i will say yeah i I will say you're going to see a lot more concerted efforts into training the next olympic olympic athletes Mm -hmm. but that's for the one percent or less right yeah yeah that's that's something we've had a lot of fun exploring online is what this uh, future culture will look like. Yes, there's definitely the uh, real estate development aspect. People will do well. There's the Olympic training aspect that will will help quite a, quite a bit. But the, the thing that gets me excited is uh, seeing someone from St. Louis who uh, <laughs> learns yep. to surf in a pool and, and gets really good. There's a uh, and, and and I was going to say, maybe that St. Louis person who like finds a new way to, or a new kind of wave craft to ride or something like you're seeing that obviously happen in little pockets around the world on the coast, on mm-hmm. the coast that can easily ha- start happening within these, these wave parks where instead of Byron Bay, St. Louis is like the cool hotspot for mm-hmm. hipsters or something, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> who knows? Well, kind of cool. Well, it's interesting. We just, uh, we just spoke with Nick Hounsfield from the wave and he was mm-hmm. saying how the, the customer base people coming through has, has changed in the past two years. And that's due to their efforts to be more inclusive. They have more women's groups. They have coaches who specialize in you know, teaching people from diverse backgrounds, it's very uh, open mm-hmm. in that regard. So you can get a little peek of the future by looking there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Super cool. So let's take it back to um, Surf Park Summit. You were there, we chatted you. Mm-hmm. What, what is your overall takeaway from the event? You were, you were very studious, I noticed. You sat in on a lot of uh, forums and uh, panels and what, yeah. what's your, your takeaway that you can share with our audience who, who wasn't there? Yeah, I, I really went in with a, a, an open mind, obviously, but just really wanted to understand the space um, a little bit more holistically because you know i'm only so up to the, up to then i was only just looking at the shiny objects of the mm-hmm. you know the part the impending park projects that are coming out and that kind of thing but this was 
in a, at a time when we've been seeing the surf industry shrink over the years, right? Since really 2008, it, it hasn't truly recovered or, or gone back into growth mode. We're seeing this adjacent quote unquote surf industry with nothing but limitless possibility. And that's what was super exciting to me. That was like my biggest takeaway was that there's just a, a massive amount of optimism and excitement around the space and a willing a willingness to invest. And it's it's not just uh, crypto or, or snake oil, right? <laughs> like there's a, there's a re- <laughs> there's a there's a re- real opportunity to like create a business model that's like s- super sustainable for you know the foreseeable future. That's uh, yeah, it, it is better than crypto. Definitely. It's better than crypto, for sure, especially if your crypto is at an FDX. But uh, yeah, so I, I would say that was one thing that you know I walked away from. And then the other one was just the amount of different groups of people that a, a particular you know prospective surf park brings in provides a whole new just opportunity because that didn't necessarily, necessarily exist before in the surf space. I mean... From obviously inland communities to these water treatment guys. That one guy was amazing. Oh, yeah, the South water African treatment guys. <laughs> <laughs> he was insane. Like he blew my mind. That was like my favorite presentation. Talking about sewage water, like turning, yeah. like being, like basically turned into uh, like crystal clear yeah. wave well, water. That, well, that's what yeah. no one thinks Pretty about because we're we're just looking at the yeah. waves. We're looking at how long can you ride it, the shape of the wave, but. Yeah, when you build a pool, there's the construction, there's the wave making, and then there's the filtration, which is yeah. So, so that was really cool. And then, and then the other thing that I just I wasn't necessarily discounting, but just not even thinking about was um, these standing waves have a pretty big foothold within mm-hmm. the surf park community, and and yeah, there's a whole nother like revenue model or just a, another model there that is obviously far cheaper to operate and can get more people standing on waves and starting to get that sensation. And yeah, just seeing the, the opportunities there is pretty cool as well. Yeah. All of it was, was just, just energizing more than anything, looking at the, uh, just the open sky of possibilities. Mm -hmm. So if you were able to have a pool nearby, how would you see yourself using it? Like if there was uh, mm-hmm. an accessible pool near where you live, mm-hmm. what would your, how would your, tell us what your surf, surf routine is now and how your surf mm-hmm. routine would change if you had access to a pool. Okay. Well, I'm a, a little bit obsessive in the <laughs> sense that I, I have to surf every morning first light pretty much. Okay. So that is my surf routine. I, you know, get up early, do my yoga and then I, go where the best waves are within a 10 mile vicinity mm-hmm. and i'm out of the water by whatever seven or so for an hour i don't think that would change with a pool in, in nearby i just think it would be an added option for me personally what i would love about it is the opportunity to bring more people in on surfing that isn't necessarily interested in going through the 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 struggles that you have to go through just in the wild quote unquote mm-hmm. so i w- i would certainly probably be a member probably uh convince the the wife to come and hang out mm-hmm. <laughs> on the weekends while, while i read some waves but uh yeah i think i think more than anything it, it just it creates more options for people and i i do think if anything the the surfing experience in the ocean will be even more 
let's just say, uh, appreciated if there's a proliferation of parks everywhere. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the, uh, that is exciting as, as in Southern California, we're seeing a lot more projects come on the map and, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. everyone's talking about Oceanside that might open soon. We've got the pools mm-hmm. in the desert. They can overcome environmental issues. The elusive Orange County project yeah. that continues You're to, not supposed you, to talk you, know, about you hear that. about. So. Shh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to edit that out. <laughs> no, okay. No, sure. just, I, no, I don't even know. I just I hear Orange County all the time. I don't even know. No, I, I, I'm just giving you so. a hard time, Evan. I started. <laughs> okay. start, I started out the podcast a little nervous, so I'm I'm loosening up now, and, okay. and, which is a bad <laughs> thing because I'll poke fun at you. And <laughs> no, please do. I yeah, I don't take myself too give, seriously. Give you a, give you a hard time. Okay, and then what about waves uh, themselves? This is just kind of a fun personal thing. What pool would you have you surf that you love, or what pool would you most like to surf? Yeah, well, I would most like to surf a true well one of the evolved pneumatic systems. Mm-hmm. I surfed Waco. I obviously wave. I uh, surfed the Wave Garden technology at Bristol, and then obviously Kelly's Wave. Those are the three that I've um, spent time at, mm-hmm. but. I would, I just seeing that perfect swell wave in, in, uh, Brazil, I think it's at Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that gets the mind running for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I want to keep seeing the evolution of some of those like, pneumatic technologies because uh, those are pretty exciting. Just the variation. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting how the wave seems to, uh, just come up from underneath you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did you, ha- yeah. Did you have a, beach marshal like tell you when to paddle or did you figure it out on your own because it's kind of hard sometimes figured it out on my own i mean it yeah like i might have missed a couple waves at mm-hmm. one point you know like uh, as a lot of people do but you get it, you pick it up pretty quick it's definitely it's it's like you know obviously a, a pattern that you can recognize and and figure out quickly because it doesn't change <laughs> <laughs> other as opposed to the ocean but uh, one thing i was going to say is I think it's really important to have that ability for variation at a touch of a button mm-hmm. because I've spent quite a bit of time at KS Waveco and the experience is, is incredible, second to none, as far as like mm-hmm. how they take care of their guests. But I, I don't necessarily need to ride another wave there. I would, certainly wouldn't pay for it. Whereas the, the, the parks that are able to change the, the different types of waves that you're able to ride at by just changing a couple of the chambers, like, that to me just gets me super excited. So, and and I would keep coming back, right? Whereas you you go to KS Waveco or Surf Ranch for just the the I don't know just the the uniqueness of the experience, but and and the waves fun and amazing, all those things long, but it's the same thing. So I get bored quickly. Okay, so um on that on that subject too, the uh, Surf Ranch Pro came back on tour. No one asked for it, but it's there. Yep. And the WSL also announced uh, QS events, JQS, and longboard events in pools, naming Urban Surf in in Melbourne as as the first place for QS 1000. What is your take on competition in wave pools? Where would you, what venue excites you for uh, having a competition? Yeah, I I think it's, there's definitely a place for wave pools um, in surf competition as part of the mix, right? You don't want to necessarily i don't i don't think it makes sense to do just a primarily a wave park tour that kind of thing but it's the technology is 
amazing for for surf competition it solves so many of the problems that that we have in, in making the sport somewhat appealing to the people that don't don't even understand it right i would say that the surf ranch events the, the ct events uh, part of the majority and feeling like it's just it's not the ideal wave for an event of that caliber i think there's there's certainly options out there from the variations that they've created at like urban surf now with the wave garden technology to the pneumatic systems that the the grom search event that rip curl did at waco was really fun to watch mm-hmm. and and i think with a better pneumatic wave like that one's okay to me not amazing you can have one of the best surf events ever so th- we just have to find the right park to do it i i still would vote on a pneumatic i mean maybe that perfect swell spot could be the venue of the next event and that to me could be so fun to watch. You know, there's so many different things that you could do with like not knowing what wave you're going to get. And it's all these kind of variables that uh, would make surfing, watching surfing really exciting. Are you following technology at all? Like which uh, pool manufacturers are coming out? There's something like uh, 20 different technologies out there. You have them listed on the site. Well, is there- yeah, I, I learned, I learned that there is obviously multiple pneumatic systems that i thought there's just a couple right but i now I, I know that there's a lot more after that surf park summit so i'm not you know <laughs> as knowledgeable as you guys are on all the different technologies but i i definitely am starting to pay a lot more attention well cool evan thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and uh getting up early and <laughs> doing i was already up early you know i already i already rode waves you already where did you surf this morning so this morning is really small and here in Carlsbad and so and cold and offshore. So I pulled out a, a nine four longboard and I went to Terramar and rode about ten waves. Okay. And when you surf a longboard, do you cross step and try to get your toes over I your nose? Or- do I do. I do my best. I'm I would say I'm not that great at it, but I that's that's all I'm all I'm about. Trying to uh before I die I want to be able to perfectly hang ten. That's my <laughs> new goal. And if you were offered that opportunity in a wave pool, would you take it? A hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Evan. My guest today has been Evan Slater, storied surf industry veteran. And thank you for being here. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me, Brian. Always appreciated your work. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this uh whole space keep expanding okay please keep me (laughs) watched watch this space (laughs) whatever it's called (laughs) okay right on (laughs) cheers appreciate it okay take care